Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's been a huge week on Optus Sport, the Copa America announcement news. A hundred days to go to the Euros, and we're counting down to a massive week, which includes the second legs of the Champions League round of 16. David Wiener with you for this episode of the Gagan Pod, joined by Luke Wilkshire and Michael Bridges. And unfortunately for Bridgie, we're also going to discuss Spurs getting knocked out of the FA Cup to Norwich. So much to get into. Let's get started. Bridgie, good to see you again as ever. Great to have you here at the Gagan Pod. You wouldn't you wouldn't miss one if, if really. That that's the truth. I absolutely love it, Dave. It's great to be here with you. And the only downside is talking about the Gagan Pod after Spurs get knocked out the FA Cup. But that's life. That's the joys of being a Spurs fan, and it's great to be here. Yes, spoiler alert, that's exactly what we'll be talking about on a bit later. And Luke Wookshire. Welcome yeah. back. Great to see you here at the Gagan Pod. And you've been a busy man with the season, just getting underway in New South Wales. Yeah, good to be here again, mate. Yeah, it's non-stop with a young family and, and obviously the NPL one season starting uh, off to a good start with a with a win away to Olympic and yeah, it's good to be back here with you guys and to see Bridgie. No doubt he's not going to miss it. He's got a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. You, we've, we've got a bit more space in the studio this week, boys, because you, you boys have been egging each other on and, and the results have been working wonders, hey? <laughs> Oh, I'm pleased you've noticed, Dave. <laughs> Can you remember that little challenge we had? It was either six kilo challenge. Luke's trying to say it was ten kilos. Hang on, what, hang on, what is six? What? Why six? I wanted to get back to my fighting weight before I play that charity game right. for Leeds so and that's the football a, that's for fires. Ten plus then. Well, yeah, but the challenge was the first six kilos. I'm down five and a half. I'm winning the challenge. Luke's down four. So I'm just I'm claiming victory. I want the bottle of red on my desk next week. Well, be, that'll be, it will be, mate, but it'll be empty. <laughs> <laughs> well done, good on you, fellas. Hey, with the both of you coaching busily in the in the state tiers in, in New South Wales at the moment and Northern New South Wales, just for the punters out there, what kind of what kind of workload does that take up for both of you? We know we see you do your punditry and all this kind of stuff, but when you're on the coalface at grassroots level for both of you, what kind of workload is that? Yeah, it's, it's it seems to be never ending. I guess. Um, it's you know when you when you're juggling a family and and things like that you you don't have the sort of support staff that you get at a professional level so you find yourself doing a lot more than than you ever imagined I think um you know in terms of you know setting up session planning um being there before being there after you know you got to be there to close up the the gates and the lights switching off switching the lights off you know those little things that that you sort of didn't realize um so yeah it's pretty full on but love it so I mean what what's your schedule are you during the week. I'm normally, we're minimum three times a week training. But plus I'll, the game. Yeah, plus the game, yeah. but I'll put an extra session on normally uh, for the boys, which I'll get more than half my squad that'll, that'll come uh, to attend. So so that'll be four days a week training, and I'll be there from probably quarter to four until about 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. Yeah, I was going to say we're similar. Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, game over the weekend. And, you know, it, it is time-consuming, and I used to really enjoy working alongside Luke for the Wollongong Wolves. For the pre-season, I only lasted eight weeks. The, the journey, four-hour drive, yeah. and back, Dave, was a toll. So, obviously, with the MPL in, in Newcastle, um, with the Lampton Jaffers, it's, it's been great. And you, you realise what 
what it means to the lads that are playing amateur football. They've got jobs from 9 till 5, if not earlier. And then you're asking them to be there at 5.30 to get ready for a 6 o'clock start to finish at 7.30, 8 o'clock. And, you know, that, that's a commitment that the that the amateur footballers want, want, to, want to show. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Well, the season just commenced and we can't wait to see uh, what both of you achieved this year. So all the very best for that. And we'll stay in touch with it throughout the season. Um, it's been a massive, it's been a massive week at Opta Sport, to be honest, gents, with the Tuesday announcing the Copa America with the Socceroos will be here. Uh, Wednesday was 100 days countdown to the Euros kicking off. And of course, we launched, launched Football Belongs on Wednesday night with a trailer to that fabulous series, 13 plus series plus the final uh, movie length one, which I can't wait to see that's working on in the background. Um, gents, your reaction to the Copa news, you're going to be very busy with us in June and July, I think. I just apologised to my wife. I was delighted with the <laughs> announcement and I turned to my wife and I said, Kate, I'm sorry, Let's try and get as much dinners out the way, so much family time, because June and July, see you later. I am football mad, and it's just great. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I live and breathe football, and for Optus to get so many games, and obviously to be part of the team, uh, it, it's sensational. So bring it on, and the whole of Australia will be loving it. Absolutely. Looking as a former Socceroo to see them test their wares in South America, it's, it's one hell of a challenge. No, it is for sure, and I think it's you know it's absolutely fantastic to to get both the Euros and you got Copper and with the Socceroos especially. I think um, you know it's a massive challenge for them. It's a it's a huge experience. Um, you know, one that I've got no doubt Arnie and the boys will be looking forward to, and and us all back here to see how we can go against the the best teams. So you played against Argentina um, when they were here. Um, you see, you've been on the same park as Messi, and what are those experiences like? Although I believe, I thought you might have been in that cohort that was in Brazil for that under Holgorosek, but you, you might have just escaped that, that fixture. Yeah, I did escape that fixture. Uh, I think it was Brasilia. I would remember it, arriving there. It wasn't the most fabulous towns that I've been to. Would it have been the same result if you had been there? Definitely not. No, I definitely didn't think so. Just thought uh, I'd get that out so, there. So yeah, managed to avoid that, uh, dodged a bullet there. But um, obviously the game down in Melbourne against Argentina when the likes of Messi and Tevez were, were in their younger years, you could say. But um. You know, it was fantastic. I think we put in a good performance and only lost one nil that day. Yeah, I remember that fondly. So, it's, so they were th- that day was Tevez and, and Messi. Um, this time it's going to be Latura Martinez, Sergio Aguero, Paolo Dybala. So, take your pick. It's going to be a feast of players that we watch every week on Up to Sport. But this time we're going to see Asakuru's go up against them. Are you a shirt swapper? No, I'm not. I'm not. So I- you didn't get anybody's jersey on that day. Uh, I don't believe I did. No, I, I did when I was at Olympics and World Cups. I would change just purely, didn't matter who, just yeah. to the, the opposition. Um, and the only other shirts that I collected throughout my career were those of my mates that I possibly played against. Nice. A busy year for the Socceroos, but also the Oliroos going into Tokyo. We're going to talk about it so much over the next three months, but just to touch on it briefly, you know, you've worked for Graham Arnold. How do you think he'd be plotting right now, particularly given he's got World Cup qualifiers, which at the moment are actually in kind of doubt with coronavirus and what, what a, the AFC will do with those, those fixtures beforehand. Then the Copa America, then the Olympics. It's a bit of a juggling act. How would you manage it? It's unreal. I think, um, you know, you think about us being and yourself being here busy at Optus Sport. I think Arnie's, Arnie's the same and looking to his staff for, for help and support and he's going to need it. Um, I know he's got Clarkey and, and uh, you know, there that he's, he's very close with and, and very trusting, um, you know, but he's, he's got his hands full, I think, to, to manage that many players, um, to cast an eye. Uh, he's definitely have some more, some more eyes in the sky. As a, as a, as a 
if you're in if you're in your peak and overage player as well, I mean, obviously you imagine the first string team will go to the Copa America. But what about because we've seen Paris Saint Germain they're not going to let Kylian Mbappe and Neymar go to the Olympics. Um, Jurgen Klopp wants to know all about Mohamed Salah's training regime with Egypt. Um, if if you were an overage player, would you be desperate to do the double and go to the Copa America in the Olympics, or would you be sort of looking around at your club going, "Oh, geez, I've got to balance this one out a little bit." Geez, I think it's a tough one. I think uh, that'll be up to the individual. Um, you know, for me personally, if it was if it was me, I'd want to play. I'd I'd want to play in everything. Um, and I think the large majority of the squad would be the same. I think um, you know, while you've got those opportunities, you don't let them pass you by because you never know when they're going to come again. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, speaking of South American football, do you have a fond memory of a particular opponent or or teammate that you had where um, you know that, that that everyone talks about the South American either the aggression or the skill um, that really typifies what we're about to see in in June and July. Well, the, the skill, uh, no, no doubt for me, would have to be Rivaldo when we played against him. He was playing for Barcelona. I was playing for Leeds United. I made that mistake early on in the before we've talked about yeah. the tunnel where I walked in and he was actually praying in the chapel that they have at the Barcelona and he put some form of curse on us and he destroyed us. It was absolutely unbelievable to witness what this guy did. Rivaldo, the left foot, the hold-up play, bringing other people... And I realised at that moment in time what it was like to play against a world-class player that was at the peak of his game. And I realised I'd come nowhere close, but I would try and maximise my career <laughs> as much as I could. And he was a standout. Players that I played with as a South American and a World Cup winner was Rocco Jr. at Leeds United, funnily enough. And you expected, we all expected this guy to come in and give us a whole new bit of armour to our team. A bit of you know, a bit of quality, a bit of flair, but also you know, Brazilians enjoy. They've got a very, very crafty side to them in defending. It's the art of I, can, well, I can't say the art of cheating, but gamesmanship. gamesmanship. We'll Thank you very much. The art of gamesmanship, and I, I felt for Rocco because I, I don't know how he got a World Cup medal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he must have just been. There must have been a, uh, some form of epidemic or a lot of injuries because when he came to Leeds, he had a nightmare. He had an absolute nightmare. Peter Reid didn't know how to handle him. And Duncan Ferguson of Everton just beat the hell out of this guy in a, in a match against Everton. And Rocco wanted to come off at half-time. So I felt for Rocco Jr., um, but I was very, very disappointed at what had happened because I thought we got a gem and we got a dud. <laughs> and what about you, Luke? Yeah, obviously, you know, played played against many. And, and I think the the ones that stand out who, who I played with, you know, little Juninho Paulista, who obviously in, in Australia people will know, obviously coming out of Sydney FC, although he was past his day then. Um, back then when I was young at the borough, he was, you know, he was so small and playing in the English Premier League, but the boy he could play, he could move, um, you know, the energy that he had and, you know, he's, he was also, he was, he was a character off the pitch, um, you know, he liked to enjoy himself. He, um, I, yeah, for, I was, forgot about Ginny at Sydney. I signed he was the marquee. Yes. He was the longest in the shower as well, wasn't he? <laughs> he was, he was uh, stumpy. But, um, but no, look. It was him tripod, and, and, then, and then there was um, then there was another one who come. His name was Dorival, who come from Rio Betis, and he come over. He's another Brazilian. He, he knew Juni. Juni knew him well, and he was the quietest Brazilian you'll ever ever know. Quiet as a mouse. Um, he was very religious at the time, um, you know, and he, he wouldn't say boo to a ghost. And then um, and then one time we we're going out to have a, have a party in preseason, and he, he would never come. He would never come. Didn't drink. Didn't do anything. And Juni's here one time. He tells me a story. He goes, "You wouldn't believe it." He goes, two years ago, back in Spain, said he was the biggest party animal you've ever seen. <laughs> and I go, what are you talking about? He had, he had these young boys. He goes, he would, he would literally sleep 
a sleeping tablet in his wife's cup of tea at night so he could go out <laughs> the, the door and party. He was unbelievable and he said he'd just gone twofold. He got to a point the relationship was about to be over and he just he just switched and that was it. <laughs> Found his saviour, found his calling. Well, well, let's hope there's a few people, a few, well, no, let's not hope. I was going to say a few of these teams who are... Uh, <laughs> let's just clarify one thing about Janino. When I said he's the longest in the shower, Dave, what I mean is he wears a lot of gel on his hair, he showers for a long, long time, and it takes a lot of time to towel off. Man, he's no wonder you've got a big nose. Yeah, there you go, you see. <laughs> I don't know where you were going with that, Dave. <laughs> Moving right along, you mentioned world-class players and testing yourself against world-class players. And in 89 extra games for you between June 13 and July 13 this year, you're going to see Australia against Uruguay, Australia against Paraguay, Australia against Bolivia, Australia against Argentina, and Australia against Chile and beyond. Who knows? And they'll all be live and on demand on mini-matches and off the sport with all the punditry bells and whistles there as well. So we absolutely cannot wait for that. And the countdown... We've got 100 days to build it up, and we will be enjoying that. Moving to things happening right now, however, and I'm sorry, Bridgie, that you've had to drive up uh, after watching this this morning, but that's what we're here to talk about is the FA Cup, which has taken place this week in England, continues on on Friday morning. Of course, well, Wayne Rooney and Derby take on Manchester United. That's uh, some sort of homecoming as well uh, for Wayne Rooney there. But this morning, of course, the story is Tottenham going out to Norwich City on penalties. Tim Krul, the penalty hero. Again, the guy's a freak in penalties, even though he probably stood about seven metres off his line today for one of them. Um, Lamella, Parrott, Gedson all missed for Jose Mourinho's side. Bridgie, your reaction? Um, absolutely devastated, to be fair. Um, when it went to penalties, I used to play with Tim Krul at, at Carlisle United. He came in on loan. I knew, know Tim from Newcastle United. And w- do you remember when he, he got subbed in an extra time for Holland yep. just for that? Yep. He sat on the bench and analysed every player of the opposition. It's penalties. He was there with the goalkeeping coach. They had a master plan. Timmy's a fantastic penalty taker. And I just felt going to penalties that it was going to be it was going to be Norwich because of that that factor. If you saw Timmy cruelly actually went in to see where where the time cost was going to be done between the two goal uh, the two captains to see what end it was going to be at. So he he was involved in everything. His gamesmanship were great, and I was devastated. And, and the player that I felt most for was um, Parrot mm. missing the penalty because he's a player that the fans have embraced. The fans love watching him at the reserve level. They've loved watching him come through the club. And Mourinho said he's not ready and didn't give him any confidence whatsoever. He gets an opportunity to come on due to a few injuries and fitness. He said players were wanting to come off. They were they were underdone and, you know, Parrott missed the penalty again. That is a massive shattering blow for a young lad at a football club where he should be embracing it and he should be seeing the best of him. And I just feel that the way Mourinho's handled that, that player has given him no confidence and that's why he missed that penalty. You almost... Uh- not that you, as neutral, you've got no reason to feel sorry for a player or for a reason, but just knowing the story before this, when Mourinho had basically used language like he's got to show why it's a privilege to be playing in this team. Yeah. He's not ready. You could see the weight of the world on his shoulders. And unfortunately with Mourinho, you kind of almost fear, oh no, you've given him an excuse to scapegoat you to an extent as well. Completely. Now the, the downside, there was more things happened after this game, Dave, mm. with um, Eric Dyer. So what has happened there, there's been an altercation in the crowd with Eric Dyer's brother, by all accounts, with a fan that was abusing the, the players and probably Eric Dyer. Eric's seen this and you see him, he walks up the stairs into the stadium and steps over the chairs. Fans are trying to hold him back, stewards. He looks like the man possessed. And he's gone to defend his brother. Now, that's not professional. Mourinho has said that. But what it has done, 
Mourinho was getting it smokescreened mm. the, the results that Spurs are in in this moment in time now I'm not saying it, it, it's a great thing but Mourinho will be going oh hang on a minute there's something else that's taken away from why I yeah, changed the goalkeeper why I didn't have the strikers on why I didn't do this so he'd be pleasantly pleased that this has happened in the background um, and it, it's not nice what we want to see but I just feel that this is a massive this has been like a, a volcano waiting to erupt at Spurs for the start of this season there's something going on behind the scenes. The players, again, weren't happy. Daniel Levy has had to change it. Mourinho's come in. We had a few good results. But I just I said two weeks ago, mm. the damage that this man is doing at this football club from what Pochettino had brought in is terrible. And it's only going to continue. Luke, it's, uh, we'll, we'll stick on the... We'll, we'll stick on the Eric Dyer line for now. And then we'll go back and have a look at, um, at, at Spurs in general as well. Mourinho, as, as Bridget said, used, was able to zero in on that as the focus of the game and said, whilst I can't condone it and it's not professional um, and I'm paraphrasing him here we're all kind of human and it was his brother so if the club does come down on him I hope they don't um, what do you make of Dyer's reaction and Mourinho's defence here it's not really excusable but have you have you been in a situation where you're borderline like your emotions are spilling over? Yeah and I think for, for him after you know 120 minutes of football and losing a penalty shootout and then to see um, you know, allegedly something, an altercation with his brother. When you're talking about family, that's um, that's something beyond football. Um, you know, I don't know how serious it was and, and that reaction was obviously possibly over the top. Um, but like I say, when your emotions are high like that and if there's something something going on, if there's something going on with my family as well, um, you know, so you're going you're gonna to lose your head. So you, you can't condone it and you are a professional, but at the end of the day, you're also human. Let's not forget, we know when we give our family tickets for games, we know where they sit. You want to acknowledge them after the game, you know, you'll go up for, if you've had a result and a good win, you'll, you'll you know, you want the, the support. And he's obviously looked up there and gone, hang on a minute, that's my brother there having a bit of a punch up or mm. whatever's going on. It's, it's the first place I used to look at, look for the family, give them a wave, say thanks for coming or whatever yep. it was. So hundred yep. percent. And if you're frustrated and Spurs are frustrated, Dyer's frustrated, that all spills over. It does add up, doesn't it? It it does. And like I say, this is there's something being developing and, you know, just simmering away at Spurs and with Eric Dyer as well. You know, he's got the Euros, potentially will he be in the squads, who knows? He's in that turning point of his Spurs future. And his career, and I just think this is, this has sent him over the edge. Um, and it's not nice when you hear people abusing you from the stands because mm. you do hear it. You got to learn as, as a player. You can, as a player, you can take that from the fans directed at you. Yeah. The problem is when it starts to get directed towards your family. That's that's when it becomes a problem. Correct. But it is very. It's quite remarkable to see a player jump the stands and go in and do that. Do you? Well, where, the last person. I mean, there was big talk. Eric Cantona got nine months for what he did to the Crystal Palace fan when he jumped the Hordens and karate kicked the guy in the face for for the abuse that he received. This is what Tottenham are going to have to try and smokescreen. I don't yeah. think Eric has done anything or thrown any punches. He's just gone in and he's gone in with an attitude. So hopefully they'll look at it from a lenient and a sensible point of view rather than he's gone in and he started a brawly. He hasn't done that and that's what Spurs are going to be worried about. And so will Eric. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting decision they've got to make because it, it is there is a human level to it, but you can't have players responding and jumping into crowd, crowds and looking at fans. So they've got a bit of a delicate balancing app there. The mood at Spurs, Bridgie, you've mentioned it, you, as you said, on scores on Sunday a couple of weeks ago, how you feel being a Spurs fan. The 3-2 against Wolves on the weekend, but now out of the cup, potentially you would think, barring a season-turning miracle, Champions League future looks bleak. Um, where do you assess them right now? You said they are going, you've said they're going backwards. You've said... Mourinho appointment has sent the club back. But let's look at it forensically. Like, 
Spurs could finish this season with absolutely nothing, and that includes Champions League qualification. Well, that'll fit perfectly in the trophy cabinet because there's nothing there anyway, Dave. So, again, the dusters are going to have to come through. The cleaners, I feel for at Spurs. You know, they're their job every season. They just go and clean the cobwebs and the spiders out. It's, it's a nightmare. Um, yeah, they're definitely going to go out to Champions League or be Leipzig or, or flying. And it's going to be another one of them seasons where they've got to really address the situation. It doesn't help mind having Son and Harry Kane out. I understand that. You've lost two of your best marksmen. 45% of goals come through them in one way or another. But again, you should be able to juggle that. I just do not like the way that some of the younger players have been handled since Mourinho's come in. The comment, it does yourself no favours. Danny Rose had an argument. I think there's a big decision got to be made in the summer where they need to embrace somebody as a manager... I'm not taking anything away from Mourinho. He was the special one. He's mm. not the special one anymore. The game has evolved. I don't think he has evolved with the game. He might be a lovely character and a lovely man. No problems with that. I would love to see Spurs getting back to somebody that has the dynamics of attacking football that the fans want to watch and want to embrace and the players want to play that way. So you think there's a chance, as a fan, I'll come to you then as a, as a neutral as well, Luke, that Mourinho, that the Mourinho experiment might be cut off in the off-season? I would love to see that. Do you think that will happen given they've invested so heavily in him? I don't care. <laughs> Danny Levy, he, he's the one that cares. Uh, Levy, Levy's another issue for me. I think he's done great things, massive stadium. Is he the man to take Spurs forward yet again? I don't think he is. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I think that's a fair call. I think um, definitely Levy's the one who's, who's got the pressure. He's the one who hired him. Um, I think if you ask a lot of the Tottenham Spurs supporters like Bridgie there, they, they'd be saying the same thing. I think... Um, you know, since he's taken over, the, there was little signs of progression and then it's, it seems to be, you know, one step forward and two or three steps back. So, you know, it, it, there is something going on there. You can see that. It shows on, on the performances. It shows in the results. Um, you know, it shows on, on, on an incident like this with Eric Dyer. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be going on behind the scenes and, and no doubt there is. So they're going to need to uh, definitely adjust that. There's a talk that they'll only get £50 million pound in the off season to reinvest so Mourinho his language at the moment is all about I want the season to end now first and foremost as a player look he could be it could be smoke streams he could be saying something different to them internally but ultimately what he's saying in public after every game is I want the season to end firstly as a player how do you react to that and b if he wants the season to end like that's just well, he could that's, that's just giving you. That's just giving you no incentive when you've, you're in caps and you're still within shooting distance of the top four. That's what I mean, Dave. It's just mixed messages that myself as a player would not like to hear my manager saying that. Not only is the season over, but also the, the the things that have gone on with the younger players with Danny Rose. It's, it's. I just think it's a little bit toxic, and I, I can only comment from what we've seen. Mm. I have a couple of people that I've spoke to that I know from Spurs behind the scenes. Um, Things are starting. Things are starting to crumble. On Levy, is, do you think that the um, when he had the chance to spend with Pochettino and he didn't, and it's clearly there's money there because Mourinho is, I think, the third most expensive manager in the world. Is that the sliding doors moment where you didn't invest after the Champions League final? You've gone into this season. If it does crumble, as you say, is that the moment Spurs fans will look back on and go, "We could have gone from." here just below yes. Liverpool Man City and join them instead we're back into that mediocrity pack without a shadow of a doubt and I think that's where Daniel Levy has to be accountable you can't we can't just blame Mourinho this has been stumbling and fumbling for quite a while uh, and again the, some of the players have got to be accountable as well because they have not up their they've only up their game when a new manager came in mm. 
for that short period, which yeah, you normally yeah. get, Luke. Yeah, yeah, you And get then that it's who's going to carry that on. And again, they've gone back, they've gone at the shell. But it's who's going to carry it on. But Mourinho's got to get that out of him. So Correct. obviously they've got that quality, they've got that ability. They've yeah. shown it when he took over. But then he didn't have it or the players didn't believe enough in him or got enough respect or appreciation from him to continue in that manner. So when he first came in, they wanted to, they wanted to play for him. They wanted to show him that we're good enough to play and be in the team. And, and then they turned it on. And then, do you think what's do you so, think what's happened? I mean, we've had managers in the past where I've lost a manager and I've got a new manager in, and you see, you, you go through the game, everybody, and and, and then you go, oh my god, the manager before was he? he we enjoyed him. Yeah. He, he embraced yeah. us. He talked to us. This new guy, tactically brilliant, but God, you can't even knock on his door, and he he doesn't yeah. speak to you, and mm-hmm. that's when you lose. I'm not saying Mourinho's like that because I've heard a lot of the players do like him, but. Bet the devil you know than the devil you don't. And I think a lot of the players now might be upset and looking back saying, oh, what could have been? 100%. 100%. I got, I got now, so I got a new assistant um, this year and he hadn't been at this level. My, you introduce him to a new group of players. So my boys are my boys and they know how things are done. When he comes in and starts to change things and do something a little bit different, they go, well, what's going you know, on? They, they almost, you know, and I just had him do a warm-up. You know, if he's listening to this, he's going to be... <laughs> I don't know he knows, though. He just, it was just a warm-up. And um, and it wasn't a great warm up. Not nothing that my boys liked. So, and I literally my senior players, I was, I was almost cringeworthy. I was also, I was like, okay, let's move on. And um, afterwards, one of my my more senior boys and said to me, said Gaffer, don't let us do that again. That put me in a bad mood for the whole session. And I just and I had to have a word with him to say, look, we don't do things like that. We can't do things like that. I wasn't going to lose my team. Mm. But mm. that's mm. where your senior players and the respect and trust that they've got to come and knock on your door to, or, or talk to you about it. Yep. And then you've got the respect to go to your assistant and say, let's change it and let's do this. That's what it's about. Ultimately, you've got to get the best out of your players, yeah. right? They, you got to, that's, that's your, your job you as got to a manager, know your, as a know coach. your players. Mm. You've know, got to know your players. You've got to get the best out of them. That's the same. You can say, look at Tottenham and, and you can say, well, they don't have the players. They're not good enough. But... They are good enough. Mm. And, and the excuses are running thin, and to do it so early in the season is pretty bad. Tony, I'll, Tony, can we move on, Dave? I'm getting No, I'm, I'm, probing, I'm probing you because Toby Albert Deverell almost hinted that in the press as well. Yeah, and, and a lot of players that have been coming off. Oh, last 15, 20 minutes in games, we had a really good go at that team. We could have done it from the start. Del Ali throwing his boot, yeah. having a tantrum. Oh. All right, I'm going to ask you one, Luke. I'm not going to ask you, Bridgie. You. It was coming later on, but it's a report from the Telegraph in the UK, which yesterday on Wednesday hinted that there are all concerns that Harry Kane is now sniffing around looking and saying, am I going to fulfil my potential here? If you were him right now watching what's going on, would you be looking for that move that you've been touted with for all these years, but you've stayed loyal? Would you be looking at that now more seriously? 100%. I think, um, you know, and the reason he's probably they're, they're saying that as well is, is the fact that they're obviously not that happy with Mourinho there and he doesn't see it going to progress. I think, um, you know, he was obviously very happy before with Pochettino um, and things change, the dynamics change and, and that happens in football. It's a round ball and it can change very, very quickly in football. Uh, if I was him, I'd be definitely opening um, my ears to, to anything that could possibly come. Okay, snapshot, one word answer. Should Mourinho be given that 50 million war chest to rebuild and be given six months to prove that he's still relevant as a Premier League manager? Yes or no? I can't give you one word answer, Dave, but I'm going to say no, he shouldn't because of the amount of money he spent at Manchester United as well. What, 450 million? Uh, no, don't give him it. Just get somebody else in. No. 
Simple as that. We will move on. When we get, because we're going to move on to Chelsea beating Liverpool. Because <laughs> you love Chelsea. A good 2-0 win, a fantastic 2-0 win, which ends Jurgen Klopp's side's quest for the domestic double. And a very interesting week. It's funny, you can look and you can be hysterical and go, well, they've, they've, lost, uh, they've lost their invincible target, they've lost the cup. What's going to happen against Atletico Madrid at home uh, again in the return leg with the 1-0 deficit at Anfield? Or you can go, they are only human and there's only so much you can stay in that level. Let's touch on Liverpool quickly uh, from the Premier League front. Um, is it a matter of, yeah, they're only human and not much more than that? It's incredible. A month in football when you, like you said, they, they've gotten this mentality of just winning, 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 winning. Didn't know how to lose. And you lose one and then you go, it's another you habit. get a taste of it it's and it becomes a habit. And then they go, lose, lose. The players will be feeling it. And... I'll go back to Newcastle United, Manchester United. They were chasing them when Kevin Keegan lost his head on national television. And Fergie was sipping his red wine going, we've won the title. <laughs> they were still 12 behind. I can't see that happening. Liverpool are, are going to win the title. And that's all the fans wanted. That was the last little bit that they were craving. They've won everything else. So that, I think, was the priority for Liverpool Football Club. They're still in the Champions League. The 1-0 not, deficit. Uh, not it's going to be... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. They're going to be tough. I, I still think they will get through that tie. But the players will definitely be having a, a sweat up and they'll be saying, can we get Henderson back into the starting eleven? Because for me, he is the dynamics and the, the man that they have missed most. There's, there's two of them. There's Van Dijk. And him. Yeah. Henderson's, his absence is almost, there's been talk that he's going to be the PFA player of the year. His absence in this run has almost been amplified, really. Yeah, well, they need him more than ever right now to, to try and break this this run of losses. I think, um, you know, he is, like Bridget said, he's crucial for him in that dynamic. And I think, um, you know, like you say, you get into this habit and this rut and it's a men- mental side of the game that, that you don't realise and even the players don't realise it. Um, but... You know, going into every game now in the back of their mind is, geez, we need to win. And I think you would have been disappointed as a Chelsea fan if you hadn't beat that Liverpool team. Mm. There was a few changes. A couple of youngsters given an opportunity. I know Chelsea. Who was the young midfielder for Chelsea? Yeah, Billy Gilmore, eighteen-year-old player. He is, by the way. Yeah. So I actually missed the lineups, and I'm watching the. the I'm watching it. I'm. I'm saying, who is this? Who is this buzzing? And that's not Mount. That's not Kovacic. Who is this guy buzzing about? And after five minutes, I had a look, and I was like, wow, they've been talking about this kid. And you know what? Just talking about language around the it. Show. The way Lampard spoke about him, saying he's quite slight, but he's huge in personality. Just contrast that to the way that Mourinho has been speaking about Troy Parrott. And I think that says so much about how, even though people's perspectives change, and all of a sudden Lampard's gone from, well, he's under pressure because Chelsea might slip out of the top four. You very quickly forget that this is not the best Chelsea team on paper that's ever been rolled out, but it's that kind of man management that's actually yeah. elevated them to this status. And it, it's a huge result for Chelsea. If you if you think of the like you say the players that Lampard's given faith in uh, Liverpool, it was an opportunity because of their their form, their mindset not being there. A few changes for the youngsters, 
Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it was a massive, massive opportunity for Chelsea, and you, you boys took it, which is a great thing. And Liverpool now have got to try and regroup for this Champions League battle because, again, Luke doesn't fancy them. I still think they'll get through, but the, the mindset, this is where the managers earn the big bucks. Mm. Who can handle their players and get them in the right frame of mind to, to go again and get back on that winning, that winning streak? We will touch on Liverpool Atletico in a moment's time, but to conclude on Chelsea, where Lampard did make six or seven very deliberate changes, including Kepa coming to the side, and he made one incredible triple save, and the second goal went to Ross Barkley, who was absolutely pounded after the Bayern Munich game. Not just by us here, everywhere. I was going to say, he, got, he was lucky to get another start for Chelsea Football Club, and he looked a completely different player, Dave. Yep, it was a redemption game for him. So now he's back with a bit of confidence. That was an outstanding goal, and, and Chelsea's season is somewhat salvageable once again. So looking at the FA Cup results from this week so far, Chelsea 2-0 Liverpool, uh, Newcastle with that comeback win against West Brom, Sheffield United, they're still alive. They beat Reading, and Manchester City also this morning. They progressed along with Leicester City with wins over Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham respectively. The quarterfinal draw, Sheffield United against Arsenal, Newcastle against Manchester City, Leicester against Chelsea and Norwich against either Derby or Manchester United. So a bit to talk about and digest from the cup. Rightio, then give us an answer. Let's have a bit of fun with this one. Um, because earlier this week, or late last week, I should say, the Premier League announced that they're going to have a Hall of Fame to come in to sort of recognise the Premier League era. Uh, so it's only going to start from the Premier League era, and they're going to kick off in March by announcing the first two players inducted, and then they're going to create a, a sort of a, a nominations pool where the public will be able to vote. So putting you guys on the spot, if I mean, we're basically asking you to choose your gold medal and your silver medal for the Premier League era... Um, who should be the first two players inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame? <laughs> it's a tough, tough question. I think um, it's a very tough question. <laughs> you know, look, I, I, I had a quick look at it and just, just, and I just try not to think too much about it and just what popped in my head. And I had uh, Alan Shearer and Wayne Rooney um, first and foremost, I guess, because they're English. Um, and yeah, for me, I think from sort of two different eras, um, I thought you know really. Uh, in, the, in their times, really captured the Premier League. I'm delighted you said Alan Shearer. I've got to go for the northeast football man uh, and in Shearer, the, the records that he broke. The, you, you talk about loyalty and Harry Kane, you were talk, asking Luke before, does he do the loyalty? Alan Shearer did that. Uh, and he, refu- he didn't go to Manchester United. He went back to his hometown and he made a, you know, he's a, he's a god up there. Again, Alan's trophy cabinet is bare from, from his Newcastle days, not his Blackburn. He won the Premier League. What he did in the Premier League, sensational. He, you know, from the moment he came into the ranks at Southampton through Blackburn Rovers, what he did there, um, and just a just a great character, a man that deserves to be up there. And the other one is your your manager. I'm going to go not for Wayne Rooney. I'm looking at Ryan Giggs. Thierry Henry was a player that very Ryan, Ryan Giggs. He ruined his much admired Beckham. There's loads. There's absolutely. It'll be loads. a big pool of nominees Steve, that comes out. Steven Gerrard. Steve, well, I'm going to go for oh. Frank. Yeah? I'm going for Frank Lampard. I'd like to see Alan Shearer and Frank Lampard. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, uh, Shearer himself, he picked, which he's not going to pick himself, but he picked uh, Henri and Giggs. Is that who? Yeah. Okay. So he left out Stevie G and L- Lampard as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, it's, it's, it's open. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, Henri would definitely be close. He has to go yeah. close. One, yeah. But he was half the goals behind Alan Shearer. But, you know, look, it's, it's the English Premier League, and I, I think... Um, He's played the, it from start to almost to be the, finish. To be the first two, I believe, um, you know, it would be fitting to be two Englishmen. 
Good choice. Well, speaking of where England are a candidate, uh, we're going to go to Euro 2020, which as we said earlier in the show, 100 days to go was Wednesday this week, um, and we cannot wait for that. And we've got some qualifiers later this March too to um, decide who the final four teams will be. But to come to you, Bridgie, 100 days out from Euro 2020, your favourite is? Oh, Dave, you are killing. Do you know what it is? I think Germany <laughs> are going to have a, a really strong year because domestically their league is flying. Um, they've been crying out for number nine. Hasn't been performing national level, but I'll tell you what, Tino Verma has been on fire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he has an unbelievable Euros and Liverpool sign him, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. I that can't believe you're not back in England. Mate, I can't believe it. It's not coming home. G- it, no, I'm not going <laughs> to sing that crap ever again. It's just uh, that that ruined my that's ruined, that that song's ruined my life, Luke. Honestly, since I was a young kid, and then I got very excited at the World Cup working with Optus. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Watching the penalty shootout <laughs> against Colombia when I was in you know just in disarray, and we finally got through a, a penalty competition. I thought that was it coming home. I ain't singing that crap again. Um, but England have got a chance. <laughs> but Dave, I'm going to say Germany or Holland. Holland. Now that would that would that would be a story. That would be a story. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I'm going to go for England. I think they're going to bring it oh, home. For God's sake, we've lost. <laughs> <laughs> How, do you know, no, injuries right. permitting, there's no reason why they can't be right up there in the discussion. They, they, they can be. And, you know, look, the, everyone has their moments, so you, you never know. Let's, let's, um, I'm going to hang my hat on England. Come on. Pick for Come the on, goal, England. Pick for the goalkeeper. Having a shocker this season. Harry Kane, injured. Not going to be ready. Not going to be fit. Rashford, oh, oh, Stones, yeah. Henderson. The, the, line, the line didn't even hit the water. He's already biting. <laughs> Do you not want to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. I'm just a typical miserable pommy. Let's move on. And I can't believe I said Germany, man. Yes. <laughs> My mates are going to abuse me. Cut it out. We'll, that, that'll be the bit we cut out this week. Uh, don't worry about that. <laughs> that was me passing out there. And that just hit me head. Moving along, as Bridgie requested, it's a massive... Let's jump into the fixtures coming up because the next week, 10 days... Well, the next year is big on off the spot. We're just going to keep it to the next week. Uh, this weekend on the Premier League, we have it all kicking off on Saturday night where Liverpool play Bournemouth. And that's you know, that's the that's, that's the catalyst. That's the form breaker to get back ahead of the Atletico game at Anfield next week. Arsenal in the 2am set of games host West Ham. Crystal Palace against Watford. Sheffield United against Norwich City. Uh, they're buoyed again after getting through in the Cubs. Southampton, Newcastle United. Wolves, Wolves, the very impressive Wolves. Great article on the Optusport app at the moment uh, looking at the stats behind Wolves. They host Brighton, Hove Albion. Burnley host Spurs. We will not talk about that because we've spoken about them at length. 4.30am on Sunday morning. Monday morning, your working week starts with Chelsea against Everton. The Carlo Ancelotti Premier League derby. And we're going to begin talking about the Manchester derby. 3.30am on Monday morning. A very strange Manchester derby because this game is usually box office, usually blockbuster. But both teams come into this, Luke, in a very different state of play. But with still... Massive stakes riding on this game. Yeah, there's always is when it's a Manchester derby. I think, um, you know, there's, there's still a lot at stake, especially pride uh, in Manchester. I think, um, you know, given the Fernandez coming into Manchester United and the sort of form that, that he's in and they've started to find, I think it that makes for a good game because up until then, you would have uh, you would have thought it's going to be a blue whitewash. But um, but no, looking, looking at it now, I think it's going to be a good, entertaining game going to be a very entertaining game. We can't wait to watch it, Dave. But here's one for you. Man United have lost the last three home games against City in all competitions, yeah? 
And the away side in this fixture has won six of the last seven matches. So on paper and on stats, I'm going with City to win this game. Man United definitely going to win it then. Well, you touched on it, Luke. Oh, there's the curse from, from Bridget. But you touched on Bruno Fernandes. What do you make of him? I, I sort of put a few words together this week on the Optusport app about how much I'm in just enjoying watching him play on his own in Manchester United. He, he does have a transformative power over that side in his early impression. He has, and, and you know, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air, I think. Uh, what a sign from Solskjaer. I give him credit for that. He's, um, you know, the character and obviously the ability that he's got to, to bring what he was doing, um, you know, from Portugal over to Manchester United to walk in the doors how he has and, and make that impression uh, you know, it's like you, like you say there, it's just enjoyable to watch. Uh, the supporters enjoy, enjoy watching him. The players obviously enjoy him playing with him. Um, and he's the breath of fresh air that they needed. Is well, First of all, Bridget, can he play with Paul Pogba? Let's assume Pogba is fit and he does come back in. Can you get them both in, into the 11? I, I, I say you can, yes. Can you deal with the Eagles off the field in a completely different <laughs> context? How would you do it? Would you have... Pogba a little bit deeper and Fernandez with the free reign would you try play them sort of both for, how would you do it Mate, that's a in- very very interesting topic depends what system they're going to play if you're playing a Man City's formation you're playing two players high and wide and you allow De Bruyne or De, uh, Silva whoever it is in that midfield to go I call it the half space mm. so you, it, it's them little areas that you play two number 10 side by side you have a dynamic I think they could probably do that just give the two of them a free reign because Pogba, when I see him deeper, I don't. I like to see him making entries into the box. I like to see him, you know, he's got the box to box. So who have they got to sit in that hold in midfield like a Roy Keane, McTominay? That's what you want. That's, that's what, what you, you want, need. If you've got somebody you can entrust, is that right, Luke? Somebody that yep. you're happy that can sit in front of your back four to give you that defensive that security mm. and let them yep. two go. And, and I think Pogba, Pogba would relish that because there wouldn't be as much pressure on him and uh, he's, he's been a breath of fresh air, Fernandez. But um, They play well together. I, th- I think they, they could um, definitely play together, I think, like that, but you've got to give them both the freedom because if you're, you know, you can't put Pogba in and pigeonhole him, you can't put Fernandez and just pigeonhole him. They're not the kind of players that you can do that. If you want to get the best out of them, they need to have some freedom. They need to have a license to go and play. And I think with the qualities that both of them possess um, together, then that could cause all sorts of yeah. problems for defences. Yeah, I mean, Fernandez is the player who may provide that key that United have been lacking against the teams that want to sit back against he's them. Sh- he's shown that already. Yeah. He's shown that already, Dave. And that's what I mean. If you want to get five players forward, they're your two number 10s, and then you've got your front three, and then you've got your, you've got your five defensive units. Do you allow one of the fullbacks to bomb on? So you've got this six, and you've, you know, it, it's, it's how you want to play that game and that game of who you're playing against. Because you don't want to be doing the counter-attack. No. So it's, yeah, it's, it's it, a balancing act. But it, it might is. be fantasy because we might not see Pogba back again. We don't know. But listen, for all the criticism about Manchester United, they're still, they could make the top four. So I'm going to ask you guys this with, uh, with Leicester's form wavering, Chelsea inconsistent, United with this big derby to make a statement at home against City. Um, are United going to make, the, let's call it the Champions League places because we, we don't know what's going to happen with City. Are they going to make it and, and at whose expense? I'm going to say Manchester United will make it, Dave. And, the, and I'm now, are we saying that City are going to be out for next season, so that becomes a fifth spot available? Let's say who's going to come in the fifth with an asterisk, you know? Right. I, I say United will break into the top four. I think Chelsea will slip down, and I think that's going to be uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, United I, I, will get in. I wouldn't write off Wolves. I've, I I wouldn't write off Wolves. The, the form that they're in, the way they've been going. I think they could be a dark horse to come and slip so in. So who misses? Chelsea, United? That's, that's a question. I think I, I do think Leicester's got enough. 
to stay in the top five. That is maybe not the top yeah, four, right. but the top five. If you had to put it, if if you if I had to say, and I even say this is a Chelsea fan, they've been too inconsistent. The, the momentum's yeah. with United and Wolves. I'd say Leicester and Chelsea are very vulnerable to those two teams, which means uh, you know. With that depth, Tottenham and Arsenal are both looking at potentially, disastrously, at the worst case scenario, not being in Europe at all next year. I don't think Spurs will be. And I definitely don't think Arsenal will be. So I read that Arsenal being in the Europa League last year, and everyone talks about Europa League being a burden, that still profited them something like £40 million, uh, which they were able to use on a few little signings. Mikel Arteta is now out of the Europa League. They go and play West Ham this weekend, and they need to now focus on the league and, and charge all the way up. We spoke about Harry Kane a bit earlier. I haven't bought into all this Aubameyang transfer gossip until now. But looking at the loss to Olympiacos, I, I wonder whether Arsenal can actually afford to hold on to Aubameyang if there is a nibble in the off-season and they're not in the Europa League at all. Now, Harry Kane will give you loyalty because he's come through the ranks. <laughs> Aubameyang? You Aubameyang looked at his car garage? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, there's no loyalty there. I mean, listen, he's been unbelievable as a captain. I think he's led the line fantastic. He's handled the situation. He can go to a, he. I reckon he could go to any club that he w- would like to go to. The goal scoring record he has, the qualities, and obviously he can demand he can demand whatever money he was just to keep his car garage going. And there's no loyalty there. I, oh, I, th- I think they may lose him for Champions League football. If I was a betting man, I, I reckon he might be at Barcelona next year. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be at Arsenal. I, I can't see it. If, if he's got an offer from one of those big clubs, you know, I think he's gone. Who's he coming in for, Barca then? He well, this is the thing with what with when they're looking for what they're, what they're saying in Spain is that they want any signing they make they don't want it to be a depth signing they want it to be someone who can challenge for the eleven. So if Suarez is out injured, they've got someone to go in, and Aubameyang is that he ain't going to sit on the bench. That's for sure. Maybe swap. Maybe is there still that altification between Messi and Griezmann? Could Griezmann be the one that makes way and he goes in on that left hand side, Aubameyang? Well, did you see that at the old Clasico? There was no combination there. Wouldn't mind to see that. Mm, that'd be nice, eh? Food for thought. Food for thought. Well, moving on to what we're speaking about Europe. Uh, once we get through, you've got Tuesday morning Premier League with Leicester City against Aston Villa. We spoke about Leicester City. Can they can they rearrest that inconsistent slide that's been going on for them for pretty much three months now? Then we get to Wednesday and we've got Valencia hosting Atalanta with a Serie A fairy tale. Looks like it's, well, fair through to the final, final eight. Incredible stuff there. RB Leipzig against Tottenham. We won't touch too much on that because we've spoken about them at length, but let's just get a quick tip. Leipzig going to get the business done? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Pretty galling. Then you've got Mourinho, who's lost twice to Lampard, twice to a 32-year-old, and to Nuno, the sort of Portuguese heir apparent in the space of a couple of weeks there. Um, Thursday morning, just not rearranged, Manchester City's game against Arsenal from the Cup weekend before. That is on Thursday morning at 6.30, while we're also focusing on Paris Saint-Germain and Borussia Dortmund and Liverpool and Atletico Madrid. What a morning, because these two ties are sp- Throw it in the air, throw the papers in the air. Which way is it going to go? That's what we're going to discuss right now. Paris Saint-Germain, Dortmund. Wow. I would, love, I would love Dortmund to go through. I've got a, I've got a German, a bit of German love this morning. I'm going for another German <laughs> team. Dortmund. I would like to see Dortmund because I love the way they play. PSG have, have just bought the title. They've bought, you know, I'd, I'm not into that. And yeah, I would love to see Dortmund do one over them. There's a lot of talk that the criticising Mbappe as well, mm. by the way. He, Huge. He's been very flamboyant on the park. He tried a Rabona flick when he could have just taken a touch and had a goal. Um, the the uh, When he got substituted, yep. his demeanour. A lot of ex-players are coming out and abusing him in France. He, whether he's trying to push a move, the fans are turning on him saying he's becoming, a, um, the arrogance is getting the better of him. 
So I'd love to see Dortmund do them. Not French, is he? <laughs> <laughs> you spoke about collapsing earlier on in this in this podcast with Tottenham. Luke, the Paris Saint-Germain just implode if they go out here? Is, is it Neymar's gone, Bappe's gone, Cavani, Tuchel gone? How big a stakes are this, is this game? Yeah, everyone's going to be named to be gone if, if they don't go through, that's for sure. Uh, there's no hiding the fact that they want the, the Champions League. It has been for the, for the last years and, you know, no different. I think you, you come to this stage and, again, I think we're going to see him go out, um, you know, and you can go and buy all the stars you want, um, but at the top level you need more than just star players. How can Man City get done for financial fair play and PSG seem to fly under the radar? They or are they getting investigated now? Very, very complicated question, and it um, comes down to... Allegedly. Allegedly. Supposedly, the sponsorship deal that was being used uh, by the club that should have been the, the money they were generating to create their, their will, financial thing. I will thing. say it, Dave. They want to win the Champions League before they get done. The thing is, they've been cleared. They were cleared. For, so that, you know, trying to ma- explain this really simply, what they were saying was the benefactor, who you would all assume is lining the pockets, they were able to prove that it was legitimate sponsorship, whereas City have been done for illegitimate sponsorships. Oh, so so the front of the shirt sponsorship might have gone for uh, two, two or three or four or five hundred million. I didn't realise. It's really very complicated yes. and very murky. Well, You're I right. Hope, I hope they go out because of that. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see them go out too. Um, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid. Okay, will Liverpool rouse? Like, we know what Atletico Madrid are going to do. Why will they be able to pull that off again, Luke? Because of Diego Simeone. I think, um, you know, he's shown... Over the years, um, you know, how he can set up his team and the, the fight and spirit, the defensive structure that they have. Um, I think if anyone can go on one of these European nights to Liverpool and get a clean sheet, it's Diego Simeone's team. Is, is, are you going to put it down to a Simeone success story or a Liverpool uh, not being at their 100% best bridge if they don't go through? Or, or, or are you just confident enough that they're just going to rouse and they're going to be good enough? I'm hoping that Anfield can get behind the players because it's a special place. It's a unique environment. We've seen it over the years. It's not just the ge- when they get behind them with the game. It's the whole build-up. Anfield has an aura about it, and it's an eerie aura. Coming down the tunnel, you hear the fans at specials night. I just believe that the home fans will help the players in the park. Forget about the form that they've been in and will we'll get the goals that they are required to go through. I agree with what Luke's saying, however. Simeone, if he's got a tactic that can ambush Klopp and defensively, I just feel that they held on for that first leg. I can't see them doing it over a total of 180 minutes, not letting Liverpool score. If they do, fair play. They could, they've got a chance of going all the way if that's mm. their mindset. But I just I, I think Liverpool will get it done, and the fans are going to play a massive part. Yeah, I would be, st- would be stunned if Liverpool aren't good enough, but... Stranger things have happened. Oh, here's a good yarn. There's a great interview during the rounds. I think it was on The Athletic where Joe Gomez, the Liverpool central defender, who was, of course, absent the day they lost to Watford, um, he spoke about how after beating Barcelona last year, he and his mates, his old mates, went back and they were playing Monopoly till all hours of the morning. Can you imagine the adrenaline rush? Well, I'm trying to imagine the adrenaline rush of that win and then that's what you're doing. So I think there was a nice picture there from about 4.30 in the morning (laughs) where they're still playing. Um, What was the most random... Post match you guys ever in, enjoyed? Well, to be fair, I understand because the players can't go out and celebrate these days. You're in the public eye, so what they do, they'll go back to each other's houses. You'll, you know, and you'll play Monopoly. Have a few. Well, I bet they were playing Monopoly for and a few drinks. It wasn't a code name. They were playing Monopoly. Yeah, they were playing Monopoly. <laughs> they'll, they'll have had a few drinks, you know, to unwind. And do you know what it is? Me and Harry Kuehl used to do this 
all the time. We'll we play Monopoly we, after a game. We, I'll tell you what, we <laughs> we were the most competitive two. He lived lived um, next door, and after games, if we didn't go out into town as a team, you know, me and Harry would go back. We'd either play Monopoly against each other, no joke. It would be Provolution Soccer on the PlayStation we had. It'd be Tiger Woods Golf. Um, what is what else we play? Championship Manager. Uh, which would go on until all hours. hours. I actually got a pop-up on that screen saying, do you realise that you've got to eat some at some point or drink? You've been on the computer so long. It would The, the latest version had pop-ups to tell you that you'd been on get a life. Me and Harry would do that when we would, you know, would have a few drinks in the meantime and yeah, it was just so competitive. So I've, I've done that. I've been in that situation, even with my schoolmates, just because you can't, at some point, you can't go out into the town. Yeah, but I can understand that. But, you know, and I understand playing PlayStation or, or doing all that against one another and that competitiveness. I get that completely. But Monopoly, I don't know. That's something I'll play with my kids. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But to go around my mate's place and play Monopoly is I, – I, I had this – when I was at Feyenoord and we had a younger, younger sort of squad and it's obviously the new younger, younger kids and how that was. So on a day off, they come in and openly talk about going around each other's house and on that day off spent the whole day playing Monopoly with each other. And you I couldn't believe it. it. I could not believe it. And and then their team bonding trips is going to play laser or something. And, and you know, <laughs> you're looking back at the old school team bonding trips. You know, Bridgie, there was no laser or 10-pin bowling. How long have you known me? <laughs> long enough. No, come on. We go back to Bristol. What was it, 2007, 2008? No, 2005. Five, yeah, 25, 25, 26. The one thing you did not know about me. And I, I can't believe I'm even saying this is embarrassing. I collect Monopoly boards. <laughs> there you go. Learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. Now, I've collected Monopoly boards for years. And when we moved to Australia, my wife managed to cull off half of my set. I tried to put it all in storage. She got rid of them. I kept the main ones that I knew were collector's items. I will send you a picture, Dave, to prove this when I get home of Sorry, all the boxes. What for? I just love Monopoly. I I'm always have done. Really weird. This is why I'm laughing now. So I love Monopoly and I love Scrabble. And the Monopoly boards, I am devastated now because my kids, when they got to an age of seven, eight, and nine, and they found my Monopoly stash, I had them all cellophane. I only used to use one board game. And the others were just there as collector's items. Question, how are all the notes? Because the notes used to always get bent and broken. And I only used them. one of them. All the others were immaculate, still in the cellophane. I'm not kidding you. And then my kids got an age where they found out that there was all these Monopoly boards. They went through all the cellophane. They've lost They've lost pieces. The the paper notes, the money is wrecked. So now they're worth absolutely nothing. But I've still got about 30 or 40 Monopoly boards that I will collect. And I'll, I got a special one for my birthday off one of my neighbours for my 30th, where it's my life story that he got, which is on, on my wall in my house. Of all the different houses that I used to live at, all the different, every chance or community card, is a chapter in my life of something that happened. It was, it's unbelievable. So there you go, Sado, Monopoly. That took an extraordinary, unpredicted <laughs> turn, but it's great to discover something about someone that you did not know. It's so next time you're around, Luke, we'll have a game of Monopoly. <laughs> That's outstanding. That's absolutely outstanding. We're getting off with another fun one uh, because we're talking about a fourth division team in the German Cup. So this is incredibly random. Saarbrücken in the semi-finals. They won 6-7 in a penalty shootout over the top-tier opponent, Fortuna Dusseldorf. You love a cup upset. Well, the goalkeeper saved five penalties in one match, four in the shootout and one in normal time. The celebrations would have been incredible. And I want to know from you guys what that reminds you of in your career, one of those great, great days. 
Yeah, mine that, that comes to mind would be beating Germany over in, in Germany in 2011. Um, oh, who scored the winning goal that day? I, uh, I, I don't know. Can you just have a, have a little Google? You, <laughs> might, you might be able, Yeah, Bridgie, you check that one out for us while we, we talk through it. Um, no, obviously, I haven't lost to them in the World Cup uh, 4-0 and then to, to go there, I, I, th- I don't know how many years they've been unbeaten at home in Germany um, with Holger Ossik obviously in charge, a, a German as what, well. What yeah? 2011, March. So... Um, so yeah, and we we went over there, and and obviously no one really gave us a chance, and you know the build up was great, and and the fact that we come away with a two one victory and uh, scoring the winning penalty, it's uh it was a nice feeling. Very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know. He's still googling. <laughs> I just come up. Dave Carney, sixty one minutes. Luke Wilkshire, penalty. You're an absolute tool. <laughs> I can't but, believe I'm looking it up, and he's next. Oh, what a dude. Right. By the way. Garn scored a good goal that day. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, you know, it was a good performance. We, you know, sh- we copped a, an early goal and and the character of the team to come back and you know and uh, again there was there was good celebrations after that game in mm. Düsseldorf. Monopoly? <laughs> Definitely wasn't Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> End us off, Bridgie. Take us home. What I can't. Got? I can't top that off. We we. I love. We're talking about goalkeepers saving five penalties there in that one game. I, I just remember a game where Paul Robinson. It was against Swindon, I do believe, in a cup game. Um, possibly extra time, or might have been the end of normal time. Corner came in. Um, Ian Hart laid me, give the ball to myself, and I whip whip one in near post. And Paul Robinson, the goalkeeper, came up and scored from the from the corner. It was just incredible to, to actually see a keeper do that and be on the park. So on the on the theme of goalkeepers, I'll take that one. But um, Luke's is brilliant. In fact, I've had to research it. And it's, <laughs> he wins. I wish we were filming that. Gents, thanks so much for your time today. Great to see you both. Uh, keep going. You're both going for a run in the pouring rain, I imagine, today, which will be good for next yeah, week's I'm, competitive. I'm running, I'm running back to the gong and he's running back up to Newey. <laughs> I love it, the competition. Um, you know, good to see you both. And I think you both scores on Sunday on the weekend. Is that right? Just Luke. Yep, I'll be Weekend in off. For, uh, we'll see you next week for the Champions League, Bridgie. Love it. Good stuff. And to everyone out there, as you heard, there is so much football on between now and the next game. But it'll be on Thursday again after the Champions League four games are all done so we can review all of them. So between now and then, as ever, enjoy your football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.